Welcome to another edition of CHP Talks. This is part two of our discussion with Matea Merta on the UN and Canada's involvement. So, uh, Rod, do you want to reintroduce our guest and uh, we'll continue the conversation? Yeah, for those who uh, were not with us last week, uh, Matea Merta is the Global Policy and Advocacy Advisor and United Nations Representative with Campaign Life Coalition. Uh, last week, we ban- began speaking with her about her role at the UN uh, and the UN's uh, destructive and coercive influence in matters of life and family and, and Canada's involvement with that, where Canada fits in. And uh, we want to, of course, end up with uh, how we can do a better job. We as Canadians can do a better job of sending better representatives and having better policies expressed through the UN. So again, uh, Matea, thank you for joining us this week. Thank you both. So last time we were talking about the UN and the fact that they are, um, we we mentioned the words ideological uh, colonialism in relation to Africa and the way that they have spread abortion, even illegally. Um, Do you want to just recap that a little bit and then we'll pick up and move on to some more topics as well. But this is this is such an important one for people to realize. It, It really is. So for any Canadians listening to this, any taxpayers, period, listening to this, you have to understand that your tax dollars are being taken from you by the government and sent to Africa uh, in order to further a pro-abortion. It's not pro-choice, a pro-abortion agenda. And that's put under the guise of feminism. And the government of Canada funds various organizations such as Marie Stopes International, who actually has been kicked out of various uh, um, uh, African nations for producing, for doing illegal abortions, illegal activities that go against their national laws. And so this is this has become a normal thing, but Canada needs to be held, the government needs to be held accountable for this very issue. And this is something that Canadians need to understand that the UN is essentially a conduit for flushing money to organizations, different governments, in order to further a so-called fake feminist, it's really fake feminist agenda in other nations by changing their national policies through uh, through funding either illegal groups, illegal actions. And this is this is the current situation with Canada and the UN. Yeah, people don't tend to think of Canada as a bully on the world stage. We, we have had a good reputation in the past as mm-hmm. a, a great friend, uh, you know, sort of a gentle, uh, uh, positive force in the world. And we have in our the preamble of our charter says uh, Canada is founded on principles that recognize the supremacy of God and the rule of law. So when we express on the world stage uh, things that deny sort of uh, the creation of human life by Almighty God and even the supreme the rule of law that uh, we are pushing things in other countries that are are against the law in their countries, and Canada has sort of the gall to go in. Uh, and say, well, you should be doing it this way. And if you do it this way, we'll help you with money, taxpayers' money that they didn't uh, volunteer to send over there. But uh, we would yeah, say- and, and if I may, if I may yeah. quickly say, something that people do also need to know is that Canada and the UN actually have a similar policy where if a country is suffering due to natural disaster, um, such as Syria or places in Indonesia, India, et cetera, um, we will actually go in and offer financial aid, foreign aid to these countries 
on the premise that they accept abortion, that they will adopt pro-abortion laws into their nations and or allow organizations help agencies to come in and provide abortion or they open abortion facilities, et cetera. So if, if you want, if your people are hurting as a nation and you're the leader of that nation and you want to help them, you are being bullied. It's coerced into adopting uh, policies that are blatantly against your people's beliefs and who sent you to where the position that you're holding. So that that's another way that we are a bully truly on the international stage as well as the UN. Well, it's certainly coercive, yeah. Uh, Sorry, I didn't catch that, no. Peter. I said, what a, what a moral dilemma that they're put in, right? It's about helping today where they need the help versus, um, uh, but at the same time being told that you know, the next generation will be paying for it uh, in the womb in terms of with their lives. Uh, that's, a, that's awful. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. So moving on to another topic, and again, related to health and the UN's role in it, although abortion is poorly categorized in that um, yeah. word, but the World Health Organization, um, where is it now? Is it in a force for good in the world? Is it a force for evil or is it somewhere in between it has and it does it has been used for good and it, it is still used for some good but again it is a it is a un agency and so you have to understand that some of the main funders of the who at this point in time are the ccp which is the chinese communist party which is a brutal regime as well as the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which have really, they've, they've been littered with um, several controversies around vaccines, especially polio vaccines, as well as around the whole pro-abortion agenda. And population control is, is a huge pillar in their foundation. And so whether it's, whether it's by coercive means or it's by voluntary means, which they often try to slip that into the equation that everything is voluntary when it's really truly coerced in terms of limiting people's uh, ability to have children. Um, you have to understand that that's, that's the, the UN and her corresponding agencies are really accountable to their donors at the end of the day, not really to the people that they're supposed to be serving, um, similar to our governments, surprisingly. And so this is, this is the situation with the UN or with the WHO. You have to also understand that they, they also like to use current, uh, current political jargon or cultural jargon, such as uh, there's a huge movement for self-care. Now, a lot of people watching this or hearing this might might have heard this term about self-care, and it's primarily targeted towards women. Now, the WHO considers self-care to be the ability to kill your own child, whether by chemical abortion or DIY abortion with a, a self-exasperator kit. And so this, this is kind of the sinister ways that the WHO actually asserts itself um, within the culture and tries to make itself relevant. Um, and, and within the current context of having a pandemic at this point in time, 
they've they've gone so far as to change different words i mean they've changed different words around gender identity they've changed different words around pandemic pandemic now at the world health organization doesn't or sorry not pandemic um herd immunity at the who is now uh deemed to be a group of vaccinated individuals that's not what real here to the medical community. That's not what herd immunity is. And so they're constantly changing the definitions in order to fit their own agendas. And so this is where, again, there needs to be a group of people, whether it's the citizens of a nation or different government bodies or just organizations that need to hold these individuals accountable because they, they get funds uh, and then they change definitions. They change different policies in order to fit where they want those funds to go to, uh, deemed what the agenda is of those organizations giving the funds. So it's, it's again, all I can say is it's a money conduit. And that's, that's really what the UN is being used for at this point in time. Well, you mentioned uh, what people can be doing, and we're going to be getting to that a little bit later on. And uh, so... So, yeah, in terms of holding accountable, we, we definitely want to leave um, all of you with uh, some sense that there's something that you can do, and uh, we'll get to that. Um, but uh, we want to talk a little bit about something you mentioned very briefly in the last segment was um, Agenda 2030, and um, probably maybe some people have heard a little bit about it, maybe you've heard the term, but can you tell us a little bit about what it is and uh, why it's bad or good <laughs> for sure so agenda 2030 was a goal for the globalist community for for individuals really at the un uh, it was negotiated by uh, member states which are the countries present at the un and canada was one of them and they set a, a very high target for themselves in order to direct uh, aid around the world through the un and governments, whether it's local, provincial, state, or federal, adopt uh, various sustainable development goals and use them as justification for taking action on certain issues such as climate change, such as abortion, such as um, various issues around health, especially now. And so what, what the Agenda 2030, those sustainable development goals let's actually back up and quickly say that there's, there's a group of these goals, which also are coupled with targets. And so governments, uh, there's, this, there's this body called the High Level Panel Forum, which is the, uh, it's basically a, become a body in and of itself where the UN and different organizations who go and participate on this high-level panel, they get to determine indicators uh, if countries are falling in line who adopted the who adopted and signed on to Agenda 2030 if they're actually in, uh, complying with those indicators and targets in order to achieve the Sustainable Development Goals to achieve Agenda 2030. It can be it's very it can be very complicated, um, but. With regards to the issues we're talking about today, agenda, uh, SDG, Sustainable Development Goal Number 5, around gender equality, uh, it's it's been warped from its original intentions. And a lot of the SDGs have been warped to fit a modern, really it's a draconian context, uh, what we're dealing with today, but they label it as a modern way of, of interpreting the SDGs. And so just like national laws are being interpreted 
to fit different agendas. Same thing is happening at the UN. So with regards to gender equality, really, it doesn't mean uh, elevating and fostering men's and women's unique capabilities and characteristics that define them. No, it means achieving sameness between the sexes. It's also about uh, having children being granted absolute privacy rights. So stripping away parental rights in order to achieve um, for a child to be able to self-determine if they are a trans individual or not. And this leads into what they're being taught in schools, which the UN actually directly, directly in, um, uh, influences their their school curriculums as well. So it's this, it's a cycle at this point in time where kids are being taught uh, that you can be, if you're a boy, biological boy, you can be a girl or you, you are trans. And so then, you know, under SDG number five, that child should be granted absolute privacy rights where the parents aren't notified nor given consent for their child to receive hormonal or puberty blockers. And, and this is all now encompassed within gender equality. Um, the same goes for abortion. Abortion at this uh, previous Commission on the Status of Women, the 65th session, that abortion was the pinnacle of achieving uh, gender equality. It was said multiple times by various member states and organizations and, UN, and representatives from UN agencies. So it's all a vicious cycle. And if I were to go into every single SDG, it would, I mean, we'd be here forever. Um, but I am all for some of them. Some of the SDGs are great. I mean, I don't think they'll ever be achieved. I mean, ending world hunger. I don't believe that will ever be achieved, but it's a good goal. It's a good target. And people should work towards that um, because the whole point of, of having a government um, and international treaties and documents that you sign on to is to achieve different goals such as these. And so I, I'm not going to slam every SDG, but their interpretations of the SDGs are now corrupt and we have to get back uh, to their original meanings. So, uh, Matea, before we go on to what Canadians can do to help, I wanted to ask a couple of questions. One is, um, well, first one, what kind of pressure, uh, if, if Canada had a great government, which we don't right now, if we had, you know, great leadership, uh, pro-life, pro-family, pro-freedom leadership, and wanted to go a different way, wanted to express its sovereignty and have, uh, you know, better uh, policies for our own people, particularly, uh, and around the world, how uh, coercive can the UN be to Canada? What what kind of pressure can the UN put on a country to, uh, you know, to follow in its in its wake instead of setting its own course? And the second question is, uh, who are your uh, allies at the UN from other countries? So if you can uh, address a couple of those things. Yeah, so the first one is is a little difficult just because Canada has signed on to many UN documents and international treaties that clearly state even at present that children have the right to life, that national sovereignty should be protected, that there are parental rights that need to protect be protected and defended amongst a slew of other um, issues that we, we say we believe in and that we're supposed to uphold. And that's where those indicators come into play. Um, if we, I mean, and again, interpretation is everything at this point, because you could take gender equality in the context of being pro-family and pro-life and implement national policies that you say are in line of with uh, SDG number five. And so the UN could come in 
um, and say that you're you're not following suit with your with achieving gender equality as according to our definition. And so that's where those indicators could become tricky um, because they're so convoluted now and and very biased even. So that's that's where they could become an issue. Um, we send so much money as Canadians to the UN that if we ever were to withhold money, such as President Donald Trump had a brilliant move in, in withholding funding from the UNFPA for supporting China's one-child policy as well as other coercive pro-abortion measures. So if we were to ever do that, uh, the UN would freak out because we we are one of the top uh, donors to the UN. Uh, even though we can't take care of our veterans here at home, we 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 send millions to the UN every year. So, um, you know, that's that's one way that you know uh, the UN could also call upon other member states to to influence Canadian politicians to fall back in line if we were to become a truly conservative um, uh, country. We are a conservative country. It's just our politicians. Uh, refuse to follow suit. Um, but anyway, at, at this point in time, it would be probably using other member states um, and holding holding international documents or treaties that we've already signed that are blatantly anti-life, anti-family, anti-national sovereignty over our heads and saying we need to follow the indicators to achieving those various documents, goals. Yeah. And then, and then for your second question, um, allies at the, at the UN. Yeah. So there's, there's many of us don't, don't be deceived. There's many of us. Uh, a lot of our work is behind the scenes. So we're not, I'm probably one of the more vocal individuals and that's just because I've, I have social media and I know how to use it. And I'm also the youngest individual in this coalition. And so, uh, but I'm learning so much from the individuals who have gone on before. And these individuals are from um, the fam from Family Watch International. There's so much good information on their, their website as well as CFAM uh, and ADF, International Alliance Defending Freedom International. They do so much work around the globe. Uh, Alyssa Corrin is their primary individual at the UN. Uh, lots of information coming out from, from their organization as well. And there's various other ones from around the globe that are actively engaged in pushing back on the UN's course of agendas. And we're having success. We've had success for many years. Um, this commission that I just came out of, CSW 65, was probably one of the most intense because of the new administration in the United States under Biden. And they're very pro-abortion. And yet these tiny member states who were being so heavily pressured by different member states as well as the UN agencies um, to, to disregard their own national policies and stances on life and the family – they continue to stand their ground, and we we didn't we didn't lose ground at that commission, and that's because of what our coalition does so effectively. So there's many individuals in our coalition, um, but those are the the top ones that I would like to point out to people. Very good, thank you. Well, that's I think you've taken us from the the big picture of what the UN is, and it's sort of out there. But you think you've also shown us how it affects the school down the road um, with their policies. And uh, I think that's something that people have to um, really sort of take to heart that their influence reaches right next door. 
um, to your um, to ch children and teachers. And uh, that's why it's important that you're doing what you're doing. And uh, while the average uh, person may have no connection point to the UN directly, um, there is Campaign Life Coalition and these other organizations that you've mentioned. And uh, maybe, yeah, if you could just underline some of those things that any one of us could do to just help these efforts. For sure. I, I'm so grateful that I even asked this question because not many people do uh, as pertaining to action items. And yes, if you go to Campaign Life Coalition, you will be able to find CLC youth at the UN. You'll be able to find, uh, I do, I write on the various subjects uh, at the UN that are happening on the ground. And so share those, share the information. That's how we educate people is by informing them through individuals who are actually doing the work. Now, something else you can do is do your own research. It, it's not, it's truly not that difficult. Uh, you can go to the U, to UN TV and you plug in Canada and up hops Canada's agendas and events that they hold alongside UN and different member states uh, and see what they're actually pushing and advocating for. Um, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau just did an event not very long ago alongside the UN Secretary General, as well as the um, Prime Minister of Jamaica around the issue of, of UBI, Universal Basic Income. And he touched on, on various uh, issues around uh, how basically it's a huge globalist agenda to get everybody to adopt UBI. And so like inform yourselves, that's, that is the most effective thing to do at this point in time and then share with others uh, resources. So there's resources on, on our website. There's resources on ADF's website. Um, sign up for Friday Facts with CFAM. They have incredible information coming out consistently. They are on the ground in New York at this point in time, and they're able to inform you on the nitty gritty of what's actually going on. And I encourage you to get everyone you know to sign up for their for their newsletter, their emails, because these are truly impactful and informative and information is power. So uh, I would say that, but also inform your government leaders. Now, a lot of people, anytime... I used to work on Parliament Hill and get emails from people, and sometimes they were a little kooky. I'm not going to lie, but they they actually stirred my thinking. And some of a lot of them, looking back now, uh, they were wrong in their in their um, in the ways that they communicated and the 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 thoughts that they were expressing weren't really what was happening on the situation on the ground in at the UN. So if you actually inform yourselves as to what's going on, and then you share that with politicians, uh, with direct links, you make every, all your messaging to politicians needs to be short and concise because they don't have a lot of time on their hands to read through an hour long document or watch a 30 minute um, presentation. So if you can summarize and point politicians to the truth, that is really, really key because they're so focused on their national agenda and what their party is doing on the ground that the international agenda often is swept under the rug or completely ignored because it can be very cumbersome. But after that, I would also say, look at where the tentacles of the UN reach into. Because education, for example, is a huge one because we know children are the future and they will shape the policies of tomorrow. And so 
with regards to the UN, they push something called, again, comprehensive sexuality education or CSE. It's all, it's in every state in the United States. It's all throughout Canada. And it teaches children to disrespect their parents. It under, it, it teaches children that it's, that the values in which are being taught to them in schools are actually superior to what they're taught in the home, teaches them to be little pro-abortion advocates, um, that being overtly sexual or promiscuous is okay, that it's actually healthy. Um, And and I mean, mean, even in Europe, children as young as four years old are taught how to masturbate. This, This is what the UN is teaching and pushing onto children and countries are just adopting it because they say it's going to drive down teen pregnancy, that it's it's age appropriate. And, and it, the list goes on and on as their excuses of why government should adopt it. So this affects our children. This affects our national policies. You'll be able to go onto the gov- onto government websites and see exactly where government leaders refer to the sustainable development goals or Agenda 2030, um, and it's in Canada, especially, it's around the issue of climate change. And so report that to your government leaders and say, this is this is actually what's going on. The UN is pushing this, and we need to push for national policies that actually represent Canadians, not a, an unelected governing body like the United Nations. So those are some ways that you can you can get involved and be active. Uh, you can also support financially the work that we do uh, on a consistent basis at the UN um, through Campaign Life Coalition or ADF or any of the other organizations that I mentioned. That's always greatly appreciated. Yeah. Well, thank you so okay. much. It's been uh, very informative, uh, very eye-opening, and uh, I hope that everyone who has listened has learned something new and is motivated to uh, do their part. Talk to their MP about international uh, Canada's place on the international stage, because as you said, um, it's not necessarily the first thing on your MP's mind. <laughs> They're thinking about their constituency and how they can be reelected, probably, um, but uh, not Canada's place in the world is to that extent. Yeah. Matea, we thank you so much for being with us on these two uh, segments and informing our listeners. Uh, tremendous information. I, I know that many people will be listening to this more than once to uh, catch all the many uh, important facts you've uh, brought into our attention, brought to our attention, and uh, thank you for serving and being a representative for pro-life Canadians at the United Nations. Uh, of course, we appreciate all the work of the Campaign Life Coalition, but uh, I can't think of a better person to be representing our values at the United Nations. So, thank you for that as well. We really appreciate it. Thank you both very much. And I, I just want to say I really do appreciate the work that the CHP does. You you have been a part of the official opposition, even if you're not in the in the governing halls. You've held government leaders accountable just by speaking out. So I thank you for the work you do as well. Well, again, and, and thank you for the way that you do your work so courageously, Matea. And uh, it's uh, been great to talk to you. And I hope that all of you listening have uh, appreciated this time that uh, we've been able to spend the information that's been given. And uh, we hope that you'll join us again uh, for another edition of CHB Talks. Mm -hmm.